Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the greatest aspects of the end of the regular season was the notion that we avoided the Miami Heat. Well, here we are. We've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and it's the Heat. We're playing the Heat. Here we are again. Let's get into it potentially with our guest, Dan Greenberg. He might be joining the show later on. Otherwise, it's myself, Jake, and Spoonie. Let's get into it now on First to the Floor. Who's going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart, as he usually is. Round drive. Scoop way up the glass. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice my body. Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We are hoping to welcome a very special guest later in the show, Dan Greenberg, who advised us uh, that he does need to write a column on the ongoing draft lottery uh, right now. So he may not actually be joining us. Um, hopefully, we're, we're uh, blessed with his presence later on. In the meantime, we've got Wayne Spoonie. We've got Jake Eisenberg. Spoonie, how you doing, man? Welcome back. Doing great. I'm doing great and very much enjoyed your guys four man, three man at some points podcast basking in the glory of Jason Tatum's 51. You know, it's like weird to say because we move an extra round, but I feel way less anxious. Like game sevens are just so anxiety riddled that it's like, okay, we can lose a game and it's everything's going to be okay. So I'm happy to see the Sixers in the rear view. Bring on the heat, baby. Let's go. We Absolutely, don't we don't have man. a we don't have a must win for another week. Unless they lose two in a row, no must yeah. wins until game three. Yeah. At least They're until back, game baby. four. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jake, how you doing, man? Are you um I'm like currently sort of the embodiment of that like Denzel gif, like that Denzel uh Washington relief gif. Uh are you feeling similar to Spoonie and I in the wake of uh, of game seven there? Yeah, I'm just, I've been basking. It's been a mix of basking and just building an appropriate level of fear for the Miami Heat. It's, um, I was, a, I was in a pretty rough, this doc doesn't get a lot right, but his line about the playoffs being emotional terrorism could not have been more accurate. I feel like mm-hmm. I need to get that tattooed on my body to remind myself what happens every year in the playoffs. Like you get so excited and you forget that you go down in a series and it literally feels like your life's ending. And that's when we went down 3-2, which is kind of how it felt. Like you just live your life and then you remember that you've got a game six tomorrow and you're like existential dread creeps in. The same was happening with game seven, except you had two days uh, in between. But at least we had like the, the sixes were the ones who collapsed. So it felt like they were the ones who we're feeling more existential dread than we were, but you're like, it's game seven, anything can happen. Um, so just that riding that roller coaster in the playoffs when you're sp- the team that's supposed to be winning is it's really tough. 
Yeah, it's like it's more condensed the fear and the angst this year because of the expectations. Like I remember going into the the first round last year, it was like, okay, Katie, Kyrie, and the Nets, like we could lose, and that was kind of the the starting point expectations wise, and we just kept exceeding those expectations time and time again throughout the the postseason now like heading into this postseason it was like okay finals finals championship championship and every stumble along the way is like life alteringly painful but last <laughs> night dude like the rights to ricky sanchez podcast um which oh, I, I love just like independent of this series yeah. they released uh, a pod that was just like anxious downtrodden philadelphia 76ers fans calling in and leaving it was like literally <laughs> half, half an hour of voicemails and i fell asleep listening to it last night it was just like the <laughs> ultimate lullaby and then woke up and, and continued listening to it this morning it was wonderful um before we get into it some quick housekeeping we are firing up our playback room for game one the link is going to be in the description if you want to watch the game with us hop into our playback room for game one it's always so much fun we are also debuting a new show after game one called celtics late night it's going to be streaming on the CLNS YouTube channel directly after the Garden Report. So if you're watching the Garden Report, which you should be because it's awesome, their show will end and they'll immediately hand off to us and we'll fire up our Celtics late night show uh, on the same channel there. So really looking forward to that. In the meantime, let's just get into this this preview here in lieu of um, of Greeny. Like, Spoonie, I guess just like starting <laughs> broad here, um, the Heat have historically being terrifying for us as Celtics fans and I'm sure for the Celtics you know players themselves but I think you know had we seen them in the first round we would have been relatively confident going in just based on their regular season performance how has the Heat's playoff campaign thus far altered your feelings about the Heat and your confidence about Celtics winning the series going into the conference finals I know I'm going to regret saying this. I just, I know I'm going to regret safe saying space, this. Safe space, no jinxes. We're all good. It feels like smoke and mirrors, dude. Like they <laughs> absolutely shot the lights out against Milwaukee. And you can do that against Milwaukee because they just drop and give you pull up threes all day. And Gabe Vincent, I think Jake referred to him as East Coast Steph Curry multiple times. Like, <laughs> Look, this guy is not a superstar, but he'll make an open three. And Milwaukee just gave the Heat open three after open three. And the Knicks were just a mess, man. Which, might I add, I've regularly said I do not believe in the Knicks as a playoff team at all. So they just couldn't score. The Knicks could not score. Brunson, you know, something about having your best player be small makes the playoffs really, really difficult. You look at all the teams that are left, their best players are either big wings, uh, Tatum, Butler, LeBron, or the greatest offensive center of all time, which is kind of a cheat code in and of itself. So I just, at some point, this has to stop. Like at some point, (laughs) they can't keep getting away with it. You know what I mean? So I feel Really, really confident going into this series, but I know I'm going to regret it. Yeah. Yeah. I think logically, analytically, it's pr- you, you can really make an argument that Celtics should win this in four or five, but we could have done that with... <laughs> we, def- we did that with the Hawks as well. It's, you know, and yeah, Godzilla in the chat here talking about our stopping practice today, you know, Apparently, Al stopped practice and was like, "We got to lock in." It was wow. feeling a little, feeling a little loose and and whatever, which does not surprise me. 
Doesn't shock me. Frustrating, potentially. But I do have a theory that um, I'm working on. So we lost game one to the Sixers. We lost game one to the Heat last year. We lost game one to the Bucks last year. We won game one against the Warriors. So I'm not a scientist, as has been proven on this show. But <laughs> should we rest? Should we rest Al in game one? Oh, that's the key. So we make sure we make sure we lose game one. So we get our our spidey senses, our Celtics up against the wall team ready to go early, so they don't have this false sense of security being up the whole series. I mean, no, we shouldn't rest like <laughs> one of our best players. Um, Start champagne. Yeah, <laughs> it's Blake time. Pop the champagne yeah. early in this series. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Al missed Game One of the Heat series last correct. year with COVID. And That's right. Yeah, um, and Rob was in and out, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, and Rob looks pretty good going into this one. Um, yeah, so Spoonie, like, just to sort of finish the round the room here on how we're feeling going into the series. Spooner, you said like um, like it has to stop, right, regarding the Heat and their playoff success. What I think also has to stop eventually is the Celtics not taking their opponents seriously <laughs> and not just like being themselves, their Game 7, their end of Game 6, Sixers series selves um, from the get-go. And so I'd love to see that. And the fact, you know, Al stopped practice, I wasn't aware of that because the guys were loose. That's a little worrying. I'm, I'm glad that Al called it out and, and Brogdon clearly involved there as well. Um, because yeah, like they just they cannot surely they have to stop going into series like this. So I am concerned, like to hear that that was obviously a factor in practice um, today or yesterday or whenever it was. Um, oh yeah, I was going to say like on the magic running out, like the Knicks kind of just were shook the whole time. The Heat are yeah. going to make you like str- are going to get you into the mud on defense, like from your own offensive perspective, trying to get buckets, but. The Heat were not good on offense in the Knicks series. And like you look at Jimmy Butler's shooting splits for in the Knicks series, he was 43% from the field, 11% from three. And the and the overall shooting of the the Heat versus the first and second round is really, really stark. Like Duncan Robinson shot 74% against the Bucs and shot 29% against the Knicks. Caleb Martin, 44% and then dropped down to 36%. Like, they fell off a cliff. Gabe Vincent, 42%, and then down to 29%. Like, they had a massive, massive, massive crash back down to earth. Like, you look at the scoring numbers, just like purely just how many points they scored from game to game. Like, in the Bucs series, they put up 130, 122, 121, 119, and then 128. I had a note, which was overtime, but still, Nick series, 108, 105, 105, 109, 103, 96. Their offense was disastrous, really, in the Knicks series. But it just it just feels like you can't use logic and, and reasoning with this Heat team. Like and black the magic, team. the dark the dark arts, and the Celtics team. Yeah, exactly. Like it's every game is just one. Like it's same with the Sixers series. It's so obvious that the Celtics were the better team, and then when they're playing the best. It's like not a contest, but they all, the blowouts count for one. We blew them out twice and you end up with a plus 62 or whatever it is for the series, but you still end up going to seven. It's kind of the same thing that happened with the Bucks series and the Heat series last year. It's like they were better, but all you, how many Jimmy Butler games do we get? Do we get two? Do they win both of those? It's hopefully like they, none. They only need, yeah, hopefully. Well, Can we get yeah, zero? None. 
Ben, I look, man. You gotta, you gotta prepare. You gotta prepare for you the do. emotional terrorism again. You'd think that we would all know that by now, uh, especially <laughs> us on the pod, and you know how we we dragged our feet on our playback streams and on our podcasts uh, this time last year. Just quickly, Spoonie, before we get to your response, the, some of the lottery pick orders are starting to be announced. Yeah. So it looks like 14 has gone to the Pelicans, 13 has gone to the Raptors, 12 has gone to the Thunder, 11 to the Magic, and uh, we'll keep you guys updated. 10 yeah, to the Mavs. I'm not going to read them all out, yeah. but they're all, all right, they're, yeah. they're happening. I imagine there'll be a, a big, long ad break after like pick five before we get into the, the top four or so. So oh, we'll keep you guys updated there. The Bulls must have jumped. That means they're keeping their pick. Huge. Huge. Holy. Wow. Five to the Pistons. Um, okay, okay, Bulls so are top four. Huge. That actually could be wow. good. Because the, the Magic are like uh, kind of our foils. And like if they were to get their own pick at six and then another pick at like one or two would have been kind of scary. Anyway. Yeah, Pistons Very four scary. to five. That's brutal for the Pistons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, Spoonie. I'm sure you had some sort of response to what Jake was saying there. I think I'll see if I can uh, (laughs) try. No, I was actually going to say, like, even if the best version of the Celtics show up in games one and two, we saw that in the Atlanta series. And what they do, they took their fucking foot off the the gas pedal anyway and lost two very stupid games that they probably should have won. So, like, you can't trust this team. This, like, you'd think. It's the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Like, this is not a game in December. Like, you need to bring it 100% every single game. But I just, you can't trust them. There's going to be one game where they just, like, don't show up and the Heat slap them around and everyone's talking about how we should fire Joe Missoula. So, um, even if they come out in game one, I will not believe that they'll do it every single game. Yeah, and look, the Celtics are not a perfect team. Like, to expect this team to just win every game... And if they lose, like Greeny said it actually on the last part, it's like, just because the Celtics lost a game does not mean it was because they didn't take it seriously. I think, yeah. you know, the, like the Harden game one game, like they definitely weren't, they definitely let up a little bit, but like that was as much like a scheme thing as, and a focus thing as much as it was like an effort thing. And the Heat are good enough, like clearly to win a game or two. Like, they, like Jimmy Butler can be, the best player on the court mm-hmm. in a couple of these games here. So it's not always just because the Celtics took their eye off the ball. But I will say, like, going into the playoffs, I was almost like, do we want the Heat because the Celtics will take them seriously? Like, when the Bucks went down to the Heat and the Celtics players were asked about if they were surprised, they were like, do you guys think it's an upset? We know that Heat team, like, can beat anyone at any time. So, um, like, they know maybe as well as anybody that the Heat can, like, rip your heart out, like losing in the bubble, obviously going to game seven last year. Like they should have heat PTSD like we do. So you would think they'll be taking it seriously. I would just like to say that just because if they lose a game doesn't necessarily mean they took them lightly. But I do think that the heat are going to be coming in with like big time, let's steal game one mentality. Like they'll be looking and like Spolstra will be all over this, looking at like the sort of the gaps and the seams in terms of like where they can steal the game here and there. And they'll be coming in with big time steal game one energy. If we're aware of that, if we have some cognizance of that, you got to hope the Celtics, I mean, at this point we're, we're speculating, but like, come on guys, like let's just... Just be yourselves for four straight games, ideally, and sweep these um, jabronis. Uh, just, just drilling in a little bit, Spoonie, like 
how do you think each team will attack each other? Like starting with the Celtics, who will be going at on the, on the Heat side of things? So uh, the Heat are really tough to kind of predict because they throw so many weird zones in there that it's it's almost like you have to have a mentality as opposed to like um, a style, right? Like against um, against the Sixers, it was obvious like get Embiid and pick and roll, get him to switch on to Tatum in that game seven. If the if that happens successfully a couple times, Spolster's going to go to a two three zone. He'll go to a box and one. He'll go to a three two zone. He'll go full court trap. Like he'll do some college stuff on you. So, mm-hmm. what I think the most important thing is like if they go zone, get somebody in the middle. And I think they're going to go zone a lot when Tatum is not on the floor because he's the zone buster. We put him in the nail. We have him operate around the free throw line. He gets the ball. He makes the right read. He pulls up for a mid-range shot. Um, and it's money. It just completely blows zones up. So when Tatum's not on the floor, expect to see that 2-3 zone. Um, and this is the series. I said mentality. Derek White's going to be back. Yes, Because he, he knows how to attack a zone. He, he attacks quick. When the ball swings to him, which you have to do, he's not afraid to take an open three, which there will be plenty of playing against the zone. And when he gets into the seams, he generally makes the right play because when you get into the seam, you get past those exterior defenders. It's really going to be Bam by himself with two guys to guard, the center and Derek White. And White's really good at either setting up his floater or hitting the lob over the top. But the biggest thing for me is like, you just got to take care of the ball. We talked about it a lot last year when we were playing the Heat. It's like a bad shot is better than a live ball turnover. Like if it's a Tatum step back, it's a Tatum step back. You just cannot let these guys turn you over 15 times. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, I think I expect to see us. We're going to play drop against Jimmy pick and rolls always like just make him pull up and shoot threes. He doesn't want to Um, that can grind their off it and do a halt and then we're just going to guard everybody straight up we're going to switch a ton because we're not afraid of max Struess, not afraid of duncan robinson those guys can't put it on the floor they can't go by horford i i expect we'll probably see some grant williams too i don't know if you, you jake if you agree with that but i'm predicting some grant coming up um and i think we'll switch everything off the ball just about and and generally play drop um especially against Jimmy pick and rolls. Well, we have to see more Derek. We have to see more Grant yeah. and we have to see maybe Hauser to start the series. We, just, we, we can't be running the seven, seven man rotation. Yeah. San Antonio, number one. What are the freaking odds, dude? 20 years later after Tim Duncan, man. Yep. Unreal. I think that, that's not to go, not to digress too much, but like we'll that's, a, that's a good home for Webby. Right, like yeah. he's not going to flounder in like Charlotte or anything like that. The Spurs Crazy. will take care of him. And I love that we can see Ime up there. He—that's wild that they used him as their go-to guy. Not the representative I'd go with, given yeah. his track record. <laughs> the karma move is Ime Udoka. Dull, dull. Rough look for the Rockets. Um, well, that that just opens the door for for James Harden to really come back. He can be the number one guy. No, no Wemby issues here. Um, Grant should be playing. The turnovers are probably the key to the series. And they didn't turn the ball over very much in the Sixers series. The Sixers don't generate turnovers, though. That's not really what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a massive adjustment playing against both the Hawks and the Sixers don't generate turnovers. Um, so I do think and I do think it's a Malcolm Brogdon series. Obviously, I want to see more Derek White chasing those sh- shooters around. But 
you say as long as it, I don't care if it's a bad shot, as long as it's not a turnover. Malcolm Brogdon does not turn the ball over, and he gets shots up, whether it's at the rim, pull ups, mid range. Like he gets stuff up. He's been he's efficient. He can make tough buckets in the playoffs. Like he's been everything we could have asked for as this playoff guy. And when you add the element of not turning the ball over in the context of this Heat matchup, I think that like he's going to be a guy. Especially like I still have concerns that Derek's not going to find his confidence. Like I, I agree that the the floaters, I love the way that Derek attacks off of the catch, right? Like when he, when you throw him the ball, he's already going, which is perfect for attacking the zone. But like he was scared to even put up a floater. Is that because he was scared that Embiid was around or what? Um, hard to say. And obviously Bam can switch and, and make things tough, but it is a different type of big man. Bam like, can force the Celtics into some ISO stuff with how he's able to switch. But the rim protection should make guys like Derek more comfortable to go to the rim. That being said, that yeah, like Bam, Bam will make it tough. I think, yeah, turnovers and just locking it down on the other end. Yeah, I just think that the the Heat's uh, you know uh, meaningful attackers are so limited. Like it's just Butler and Adebayo that there's just so much. Um, like we have so much personnel that we can focus on those guys, and there's so many people that we can leave to to shut those guys down. I know that you know similar with the Sixers that it's really the the um, Harden and B pick and roll, and that a huge drop off from there. But they they do have guys like Maxi and and Harris that can do damage in isolation. The Heat don't necessarily have that, so I feel a lot of confidence um, in that we can really focus defensively on those two. That said, from a coaching perspective, from an X's and O's perspective, from an off-ball cutting perspective, the Heat have so much over the sixes in that sense. So they will do a lot of damage despite the lack of personnel in that sense as well. Joe Mazzulla confirmed earlier today that that Rob Williams, like we are going to be maintaining that double big starting lineup. Curious to hear who you guys think that will that Rob will help off in that roaming role for me. Like, obviously it can't be Kevin Love, who is like kind of a knockdown corner shooter. Um, although we might be able to play Kevin Love off the floor, especially if the Heat aren't playing zone. Uh, I think they will play a lot of zone just to protect Kevin Love and prevent him from getting unfavorable switches from the Heat's perspective. Gabe Vincent is a guy who um, has not been shooting well in the playoffs. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think as far as Gabe Vincent being a candidate for, for Rob to roam off of and leave open in the corner there. Jake, what do you think? You, you, you're frowning the most, as I say I this, so I'll go to you first. Because <laughs> like, obviously Kevin Love ha- can shoot it, but he, similar to PJ Tucker in that he can't really do anything else. And so if you help off Kevin Love, Rob, what makes him great is that he can, he can close and we've lost, we've lost Spoonie. Um, but Rob can close <laughs> out on on shooters really quickly. And so if you're helping off Kevin Love, I kind of trust Rob to hard close on Kevin Love and make Kevin Love put it on the ground. Like I know Kevin Love can shoot it from deep, but I I, I feel a little I feel pretty comfortable kind of helping off him just because when Rob hard closes, I don't mind if Rob just bites on the pump fake. If Kevin Love wants to to put the ball on the ground and then we rotate over. Um, I kind of trust everybody to recover from there. So it's probably Kevin Love for me because I feel like Gabe Vincent just has such a, even though he hasn't been shooting well, he's got a quick trigger. He can put the ball on the floor, get to the mid-range and like play make from there versus Kevin Love's pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, and Gabe Vincent just has the ball too much. 
Like it's really hard to like play sag off help when the guy you're guarding has the ball. I mean, you can do it, but PJ really is like the perfect guy to do it because he never, ever, ever touches the ball unless he's like immediately about to shoot a corner three. So mm-hmm. it it'll be harder to go to that strategy against Miami and they'll put like love is a great like pick and roll and pick and pop guy. He's a great passer. So I'll be interested to see how effective it really is because, you know, Spo is dialing stuff up yeah. to counter that right now. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see another starting lineup change or Joe just kind of yanks Rob early for Derek because Derek really is perfect to guard this Miami team in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that's wonder- the- go, go yeah. ahead. I was, I was oh. just like, yeah, they 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 just go to switch everything as well. Sorry, um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like that's that's obviously an option here mm-hmm. as well. Is that yeah? Like, and the types of guys that Al Horford struggles to cover on the switch are like Trey Young and 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 James Harden to an extent. Guys that are like quick to get downhill. It's not really Butler's game, right? Like I kind of I I back I back Horford to to be able to stick with Jimmy on the switch. Rob covering Bam on a switch. Doesn't bother, doesn't bother me at all. It's like Al switching on to Bam. I think he. It's. I said this the other day. Like it's almost a trickier matchup for Al than Embiid, just because Bam can be quicker getting to the rim than Horford than Embiid. But I think switching everything is an option with the with the double bigs as well. Because mm-hmm. I, I just love their ability to to destroy the destroy the glass, and I think Rob can have real success against Bam on the offensive glass as well. Like Bam's just not not a big guy. And Rob can really, really make him work on the other end. So I would like to see them at least go to that double bigs to start. Yeah, and we just have so many different ways we can go. Like I guess it's no different to last year in that we could go small uh, with with Horford five out uh, or go double big. But like this year, Derek White is better theoretically, even though he hasn't been great in the Sixers series. We've got fucking Malcolm Brogdon, Brogsy as well. So there's like immediately these different looks, these different formations that we can throw at the heat that maybe they wouldn't have had to deal with so much um, this time last year. So I'm I'm confident in the different ways that we can, you know, we talk about the, the heat marking up things defensively. There's a lot of different looks that we can throw at them offensively to sort of counteract uh, those defensive changes from the heat's perspective. So Against the Hawks, it was the Trey Capella pick and roll. Against the Sixers, it was the Harden and Bede pick and roll. Spoonie, like, what do we have to be terrified about with the Heat as far as like their, their primary action that they'll throw at us? I think we'll see a lot of Bam operating from the elbows. I mean, he 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 really can be the foundation of their offense when he has it going, but he also has these games where he's just completely invisible. Um, but Bam, Jimmy pick and rolls. That'll we'll see a ton of that uh, and we'll just see a ton of Jimmy ISO because, you know, he beats his first defender or he gets into a position where he gets like he doesn't totally beat him, but he gets into a dangerous position and then help's got to come and then he moves that ball and then they get into their drive and kick game. Um, So they, you know, they move the ball pretty well. Um, They're a Spolstra team, dude, like they're going to play the right way. They are not going to beat themselves. So expect to see a whole lot of Jimmy and Bam with the ball. And I think that's another potential concern I have with, with Derek is that last year, Jimmy, like if, if you're going to hunt anyone, if you're Jimmy, it's going to be Derek, like in that, you know, Derek in the starting lineup, lineup, because he's the smallest. And so that's like one of those pressure points where it doesn't matter how good of a defender you are. Like we'll look at Drew Holiday, right? Like he was just a little bit too small for Jimmy mm-hmm. and Jimmy's still able to like back him down, shoot over the top of him. 
can't do that. I mean, I, I'm excited to watch Marcus, like because I think you know, True Holiday may be better in some uh, some other elements, but Marcus guarding up is like one of the best at, of all time at doing it. Like he guarded, he just guarded Embiid in the post for a series and had pretty pretty good success doing it. So I, Marcus, but it's Jalen and Jason. I would really, really, really like to see them take the challenge of of shutting down or doing your best to shut down Jimmy Butler because they have the 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 measurements and we've got the big dog. Here Green we go. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, Wemby, guys? Wemby to the Spurs. Uh, Greeny, welcome. No, no sorry. I, I totally forgot today was even the lottery. And I was like, <laughs> I probably just wrote the fastest blog in my entire life. Yeah, trying we appreciate to it. So, what's going on? Uh, so much. I mean, we were just reacting to that the the Spurs getting the Wemby pick as well, but just talking some heat. Um, the 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 first question that we I actually wanted to ask you, Greeny, just to rewind on this part a little bit, was I really wanted you to talk us through your like psychological mindset. Let's say early in the fourth quarter of Game Six. It's been a while since we've spoken to you um, against <laughs> yeah. the Sixers where it looked like the Celtics were going to shit the bed, like the, the series was going to end. And then suddenly this huge turnaround, Tatum wakes up. Obviously, we get Game 7 Tatum as well. We have shared our common like angst towards like living and dying by the Celtics' successes and failures in the past. So I'm just curious to hear <laughs> like what your mindset was in that particular moment of time. Yeah, so... If you remember, I think it was with like a minute and 11 seconds left in the third quarter. Uh, the Celtics were down five. Jalen Brown had that little and one Euro step on Joel Embiid. He then made the free throw to bring it back within two. I remember feeling in that, and I tweeted this after the game, but I remember in that moment feeling like that was the biggest shot of the entire Celtics season because Let's say he that let's say there isn't a foul. He misses that little runner, and that lead balloons to you know seven or maybe eight. They were sort of teetering in that final last two minutes of the third quarter, and the season was basically on the line. And it was a it was like an immediate response, right? It wasn't like they got down five, then they traded misses for a while. It was like the Sixers scored to put them up five. Jalen came right back down with that and one. So for me, that was that was the season right there. Anything that, you know, you think they can be potentially capable of doing, if that play doesn't happen, I think, you know, they get blown out from that point on because the crowd may have gotten into it. There's just so many variables. So heading into the fourth quarter, I was, pro- I was feeling a little bit more confident than – had that sequence not happened, right? Because they did sort of close the gap and were showing signs of life. But then I think it was Tatum, like, I think he may have gotten a layup early in the fourth, but then, like, missed another jumper. Like, they still weren't playing all that great up until that five-minute mark, and then Tatum just went nuts. So I just kept telling to myself, like, this can't be – it can't be how it ends with Tatum going one for four. I mean – when have we ever, and I want to ask you guys, like, did you guys talk or ask, like, when have we ever seen a change in overall career legacy in four minutes? Because if they lose that game and Tatum goes one for 17, let's say, and he's the reason that they arguably lost the finals, right? Because he no-showed there. And then he no-shows in the biggest game of the season with the season on the line. Like, 
at some point, is he going to have the James Harden postseason reputation from that moment on? The opposite happens. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's like the greatest playoff performer yeah. in the history of the Celtics. It's like, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> he, he is the back against the wall guy. And like he took it to the absolute brink. <laughs> Like yeah, the drink, absolute, yeah. absolute brink. He waited to go on his Lin Sanity run until there was no possible way more to wait. Um, but yeah, man, between the finals performance, the the this performance in the Sixers series, it was going to be like an existential crisis for the Celtics going into like if they would have just lost Game Six like a normal team. Tatum goes like mm-hmm. nine for nineteen, and like just has a normal game, but they just lose. It's not the conversation. But if he goes one for 15 and they go down season's over Sixers finally break through we've got the monarchy off our back there's yeah it's a massive massive tipping point and like yeah it's especially true i didn't even mention like who they would have then lost to is like that's half the battle because you know this is a team where you know the series should not have gone that long right you lost on a couple game winners Jalen left the strong side corner like they just it would have just been too much, I think. I too think much. that would have been it. Yeah, that, think, that's the know, right way of saying but it. But now, but now, like you know, I can't, I can't live in a world where they got this close to getting back to the finals and then are going to come up short. And then, you know, <laughs> on everything that's holy, if they then make the finals, I can't handle losing back to back finals potentially to LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. So it's like there's no situation from here on out where. You know, like, had they lost to, like, the Cavs in the second round, it's like, whatever, this is a failure. I've lived through many a Celtic failures in my <laughs> lifetime. But, like, but now it's like, this is it. This is either they win the whole thing or I'm burying myself six feet underground. That's it. <laughs> How terrified are you that we're massive favorites? I saw you rebuked the 97. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yes, you see? Not only that, but did you see that same graphic for the Nuggers yeah, and Lakers? Dude. It's like 4852. Like, yeah. what kind of shit is that? So, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. 3% I'm not. I is such it. an absurd, absurd stat. Yeah. And, like, you know, yeah. that's just on like everyone's locker. It's like all over the Miami Heat facility. Yeah. It's terrible. so that was either, that's either Pat Riley. Yeah. It's Pat Riley's grandkid. Yeah. That's yeah. the admin of that Twitter account. Like, there's just no, I want to see the data yeah. that produces a 97 to three split. That is just, I don't care that they're injured. I don't care what the advanced analytics are. There's just no way if one series is going to be 52-48 and the Lakers were a seven seed and they, you know, whatever, they have LeBron, awesome. But how can the other one be 97-3? to three? I'm not taking the bait. I rebuke <laughs> it. And I, I just, you know, like shame on ESPN for doing that. Pat Riley's social media savvy great-grandchild's got to be responsible <laughs> exactly. for that. So just to catch you up, Greeny, so we've talked about just like the overall fear and anxiety of like actually having to face the heat, having thought we avoided them in the first round. We've talked about just like general lineups and matchups. And what we're just um, touching on like actions that each team might run at each, at each other. What's sort of the action that the heat can run at the Celtics that you fear the most, that you think might be the most effective against the Celtics? Uh, the band pick and roll. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think Rob has shown flashes of improvement, but early in the year, he got dominated by it. We saw what happened in the bubble. 
with the band pick and roll. I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough because on one hand, the double big lineup, the gel is working, right? You got to ride with what's, with what's working. Last year in that series, though, it had like a minus 15 net rating in 70 minutes together or something. So obviously the rosters are different, but I'm just I'm nervous that they're not going to fit because it took them a little while to figure out how to adjust to the Sixers pick and roll two man game. So I don't think they can afford to wait three, four games to figure out how to stop that. And I just know there's going to be a game where Bam's hitting his mid-range jumper. There's going to be a game where Kyle Lowry does some shady shit coming off of a screen. Um, For me, I think that's really all they have in terms of just like, you know, trying to find weak side shooters with Strews or anything like that. But if you take away the Bam pick and roll, I feel like you make them way more one-dimensional of an offense because Jimmy Butler can only do so much. Yeah, the, the peel, the peel screening that we uh, or the peel coverage rather mm-hmm. that we did on the on the Harden and Bede screens, like it felt like the Celtics had a real education on pick and roll coverage uh, in the last two series alone. So I, I feel a little bit more. Like, obviously, that's been huge vulnerability for the Celtics all season. I feel a little bit more mm-hmm. positivity going into this series, given what uh, clearly the guy and, and Joe and the coaching staff have learned about like what kind of coverage is to throw at pick and rolls. Um, obviously, when you've got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo at the helm, it's a little bit more terrifying just because they have that, like, you know, it sounds cliche, but that killer instinct that guys like, you know, Embiid and Harden uh, don't have. Yeah, and I think you got to be careful. You can't, I don't think you can defend it the same way they did against the Sixers because there's no PJ Tucker, right? Like, Caleb Martin can make a corner three, Kevin Love can make a corner three. So I just think if you, Look back to those coverages against the Sixers. It was like, great. P.J. Tucker can beat us. He started well in the first quarter, but then it was a Mm non-factor. I just think playing the Heat, they just have, even though their shooting may have gone down against the Knicks, I just trust that Caleb Martin's going to make more corner threes than P.J. Tucker. So I just, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I mean, the lineup didn't work last year, but it was awesome against the Sixers. So Either it's going to be awesome or Joe's going to have to adjust and it's going to mean Derek White can't no-show this series. Yeah, Derek White. I don't know how we get him back because Spoonie was talking about how he's the perfect kind of guy for this series because he's so good at getting over screens and chasing Struess and Duncan Robinson around. Like the Heat are really struggling to generate offense and so much of that's coming from Struess and Duncan Robinson in the handoff game with Bam and D white is so good. So, so good at getting around that stuff, but he cannot, cannot no show on the other end. Cause then they're going to be treating D white, like, like PJ Tucker. That being said, Derek has still been taking his threes confidently yeah. knocking them down. So as long as he's doing that part, I feel okay. It's like, I don't know where you are on Derek. Like, what do we, how do they, how do they get him back? I feel like they just have to find ways to, you know, get him moving off ball, give him some, you know, because they're going to have to make a choice on who they're going to give their best defenders to, right? Like Duncan Robinson's going to have to guard somebody. So I think more so against the Heat, you're going to be able to see the Celtics go, you know, target hunting a little bit more than they did maybe against the Sixers, right? Because, you know, we didn't really see them target or like go out of their way to target Maxi or go out of their way to target Harden. I think 
the perimeter defenders on the Heat, you know, in terms of man-to-man offense, you're not gonna you're not gonna have that same sort of resistance, right? Like at least the Sixers could have thrown a DeAnthony Melton out there who's competent, a Daniel House who's got good length. If the Heat are gonna go more zone, it's just gonna come down to who can hit their open shots, right? Because the one thing that we know you can't do again, well, I guess it'll be interesting to see without Oladipo, because last year when it came to attacking that zone, every other possession, someone got the ball yeah. stripped or tipped out. But Oladipo had like half of their steals. Yep. So he's out. So now it's going to be a matter of if, if you can, you know, drive through into that zone through, you know, swinging the ball. I think getting Derek's floater and paint game is a must because every time he snaps out of these bunks is when they find him actions around the rim. The problem is you have to remember to use him, right? Like we have so many options. I think in the Atlanta series, there was maybe more of a of an emphasis to get him going if he was going to be guarded by Trey Young. It felt like, and I don't know what the usage is off the top of my head, but it would not shock me if there was a drastic drop off in his usage from Atlanta to Philly. So while his production may have gone down, like given how many times he had the ball and the opportunities to score, it may not have been that bad. But I think he needs to be up closer to where he was in the Atlanta series, just because they're going to be so focused on Tatum, so focused on Brown. And he was one of our better shooters throughout the entire season. Part of that was self-inflicted from Derek because he was terrified of Embiid. Like he absolutely (laughs) did not try anything anywhere near the rim. If Embiid was there. That was an everybody issue. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody was kind of reluctant, but Derek was, I feel like especially bad, but um, speaking of guys who maybe didn't play a big role in the Sixers series, like you got to hit open shots against the zone. We're going to see a zone. Grant Williams has historically done pretty well against Bam and he's pretty switchable. And I think you can switch against this heat team. Do you think we see a little Grant Renaissance here in this series? I think this is a Grant and a Hauser series, right? Because again, again, Duncan Robinson is going to be on the floor. Just put, and as we know, Hauser has been a passable defender. And I just think if the heat are going to go zone, why wouldn't you want 40% shooters in the rotation, right? Like, you don't need to go crazy. You don't need to play them 30 minutes. But if Derek's having an off night or Smart's having an off night, whatever, you have shooters that won't really hurt you defensively that can bust that zone and force the Heat to do something else. And then once they do, if you want to sub them back out, cool. Like, use them as, like – Treat the the zone as like it's like like a power play in hockey, right? Like have your zone offensive lineup and have your your man to man offensive lineup because you know I just think I believe in playoff burnout, right? The, mm-hmm. the proof is in the pudding, and I think it was it was it was important that they did that against the Sixers, but their depth played a role in why they beat the Hawks. I just I don't want Joe to use it as a crutch and just think that this is how he has to have the rotations for the rest of the playoffs, you do it by matchup, right? And, the, and there's nothing that says when in order for you to beat the Heat four times, you can only play seven guys. I just don't think that's the case. We also, we need to talk about Jimmy Butler as well, obviously. I, I can't believe how little time we've spent talking about him thus far. But like, I think this, well, I know that this is going to be the, the, the best wing defense that Jimmy Butler and the Heat have come up against so far in the playoffs. 
Greeny, like, do you mm-hmm. see? Also, there's an injury concern, I think, with Jimmy Butler's ankle as well. How terrified are you of like playoff Jimmy in this particular game, or do you think the Celtics can lock that down with their personnel? I mean, terrified might be strong. I, I think I have a healthy dose of respect okay. for what, like, like to the point where you know, like, I believe that Jimmy Butler can will his team to win on the road by himself. You can't say that about a lot of you know number one guys in the league, right? It's normally like, oh, if there's one or two things happen, you know, and, and I don't think it would be as much of an aberration if he did it like what we saw with Harden, right? That was. What made that so frustrating is like, because it's James Harden, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. We just saw Jimmy Butler do it in game six last last year in the series in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think it's going to be a balance between, you know, there's a drastic difference between going up against Joe Ingles and Jay Crowder. And, you know, we saw him average 40 a game, unstoppable. Drew Holiday didn't have anything for him. But then he got hurt. He played some longer, you know, quicker wing defenders on the Knicks and his shooting tanked. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. He's not going to be as bad. I think he only made one three in the, in the second round. for the series, yeah. Yeah, like it's not going to be that bad, but he's not going to shoot like 48% that he did against the Bucks. But that middle point is still good enough to beat you if you screw around and play stupid. Yeah, look, they they found something in that Buck series that, and let's not forget that, like Giannis was out for two games, right. two and a half games, right? But that offense was doing something, and there was there was just something in the water. It was like the the Bucks were destined to lose that series, and the Heat were destined to win it. Like they did not miss, and it was across the board. And that's what happens when you play the Bucks. But that being said, like that fifty six of point performance that Jimmy Butler put up in Game Four to put them up three one was it's crazy that was the third 50-point game in the playoffs and it may have been the most impressive one, like the most shocking of them all. Like there was just nothing yeah. anyone could do with him, all three levels. But uh, yeah, you're right, Green. There's no Tatum, there's no Jalen on this on those teams. Like it is a completely different beast. But that being said, like he has this, has this gear, um, which is whether or not he they've used their juice. Cause like I don't know how much you can really like throw out you can't you can obviously throw out a big chunk of the regular season but like in that Knicks series you saw them come back down to earth pretty significantly which was more in line with who they were for the regular season it's just this this team is so tough they don't make mistakes that like they're good enough to stay in games and if one or two guys get hot they can beat you and like all you need is Jimmy to have one and two games where he goes god mode we still need Tatum to play try and play him even in this series and it feels like it's over yeah, I mean, I think you're you're hoping, you know, your your others. Oh crap! Lakers are getting doubled up on. Love that. Oh okay. hell yeah! Um, Love to see it. 18, 18 to nine. Eighteen to nine. Yeah. Um, so you you hope that you know your your others or your role players can win you a game. You know, you hope that Bam shows up and is a contributing factor. Maybe that gets you a game, and then you just got to say, Jimmy, win us one on the road, and you know, I think. We've learned that home court means nothing between these two teams. The Celtics can lose on their floor. They can go on the road with all the momentum in Miami's end, and they can win on the road. So I think as long as the other guys pull their weight, they're probably thinking, hey, Jimmy's going to get us at least two. We just have to find two more games from other guys on this roster. 
And honestly, the same is true for the Celtics, right? Like Tatum and Brown should get you at least two games in this series just by being themselves. It's going to be, can we get strong play from Marcus? Can Al hit a three for the love of God? Like this is one of the things where it's not just about the stars. It could very well come down to does Max Struess or Derek White shoot better from three? And it's honestly, it's scary that that, but that's how I think how close these two teams are if the Celtics don't play to their potential. Yeah. So human beings like typically subsist on food and water. I'm surviving <laughs> on this notion that like Jason Tatum found something at the end of game six and like has it now and that's it. And he's just mm-hmm. going to like see us through to the promised land. Do you, do you feel that way? Like do you feel like going into this series, maybe Tatum did like have some sort of self rediscovery and he's just going to continue to be dominant. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't look at any on both ends of the spectrum. I never look at it in that type of absolute, right? Like I can almost guarantee you the Celtics are going to have a game where they have over 16 turnovers and they probably lose. Oh, it's going to be so painful. It's not about, (laughs) but when they do, what's the narrative? Oh, they suck it. They choke it. These guys are chokers. They don't get it. They don't have killer instinct. I throw all that out. The same is true for the end of game six. There's game seven performance when they did come through. That does not absolve them of their of their flaws. The important thing is, is that when those flaws happen, this team has shown the ability to respond and not let things snowball outside of the NBA Finals, right? That is what I care about more. It's not that, like, I think people see the Game 7, they think, oh, things are different, which means the Celtics are now going to be perfect. Well, We've watched enough Celtics basketball to know that they are most definitely not going to be perfect. So it's more just about can they find a way to not let those fatal flaws end their season as opposed to just like embracing them, knowing you're going to make mistakes. But if you turn it over in the first half way too much, correct it and adjust it in the second half. I think that is more indicative of if they've changed as, oh, Tatum went off in game seven He's never going to start one for seven. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> like that is as much of a possibility as, as anything that they could do. So I would just be hesitant to say, oh, everything is fixed as opposed to I know what's coming. I just hope they're going to be able to respond again. Greedy's probably right. But, but we have not had the like six to eight week Jason Tatum scorched earth run this year. I guess maybe because like the whole team was November. scorched earth in like October, yeah. November, but there, <laughs> there wasn't like that. You know, it always happens like post all-star break. He didn't really do that. He actually kind of went the other way post all-star break. Yeah. Where, so it, I'm not ruling it out that the pull up three goes up to like 46%. He like that game seven, he just where he has that complete control and he's going in and out. He's he's just dancing, dra- dragging people around. You're probably right. I'm not going to be shocked. But how much of that do you think is the fact that he didn't turn it over? Right, like he's playing a Miami team. The turnover percentage yeah. is going to be higher than what we saw in Philly, just by the nature of how Miami defends. So when that stuff starts happening, you know, maybe it leads to a transition three. Things start to snowball. The mental hurdles for this team are what I care about more than the execution part, right? Because when things started to go bad against the Heat last year, 
it's like they started to bark at officials more. They lost their focus defensively. They just were mentally removed from the goal. All of their losses, they had 19 turnovers on average. All of their wins, they had 12 turnovers on average. So when they make these mistakes, are they going to be able to have the mental strength to not just take themselves out of the game? Jimmy Butler is going to be talking noise to you. You know, Bam's going to be talking noise to you. Kyle Lowry's going to do something shady that isn't going to get called. Like, I just feel like when the Celtics get into trouble is when they're thinking about things that aren't, you know, they're thinking about things that take them away from the overall goal. And I think that has to be the biggest concern. Speaking of shady Lowry actions, what what's going to drive you crazier? Uh, Lowry flopping around or Bams moving screens? Definitely the Bams screens. Just because, you know, listen, I can respect a good grift. You know, we've seen we've seen a, a good grift a uh, time or two from players on our roster, but the Bam moving screens make me nervous because you're one need to need contact from someone really getting hurt. And, you know, I know Al sometimes does it too, but, like, I just feel like the Celtics are going to try to go over all these screens, and I just fear that there's going to be – I'm always worried about bone bruises or anything like that that could linger trying to fight – especially with, like, Smart or White or anything like that or Brogdon. Just – I just – I just remember, like – flinching every time we saw him set a screen in the series last year. And I just, it's going to be the same way this year. I have no doubt. Yeah. It's going to be a very different series from a physicality standpoint. Like the, the Milwaukee series last year went seven, but the Sixers series this season, the level of physicality was just completely different. And then mm-hmm. Miami brings right. that to you again. And so from on one hand, I'm like, are they going to be a little fresher? I think the Sixers are kind of soft. Same with Atlanta. This is going to be, maybe a shock to the system for the Celtics. Like the, the Sixers and Atlanta just not being a team that generates turnovers. Like you you can only prepare so much, right? And like yeah. mentally be like, you got to be on on your guard until until Jimmy Butler's just jumping a passing lane and going back for a two. Like you, you can't right. prepare until you, until you actually are in it. And then the physicality, like those moving screens, man. Look, Marcus is already Iron Man, right? He's coming back into the locker room. He's got this giant chest plate. He didn't, yeah, I... Marcus is going to. They lost game one last year, right? The Celtics. Yes, they did. And I think there's something to what you're saying, right? Like you have to get you. Like I remember always hearing that LeBron always treated game ones as like a feel out game, right? Like he didn't give a shit if he won or lost it. Like you know, you can have this win because once I figure out how I'm going to beat you, you're not going to you're not going to win the series. So I do think the Celtics have to be a little careful with that, just because there is this idea that like. At some point, you have to stop losing these games on your own floor, mm-hmm. right? Like, what good is home court advantage if you're 500 at, on your own floor? So, I am nervous about them dropping one of the first two. Um, obviously, they overcame it in uh, against Philly, but I think if they go into Miami up 2-0, you're looking at you're looking at a short series yep. because they can absolutely win on the road. Yeah. I just think my hope is if you're going to make your mistakes. Have them come in games three or four and not the early games to set the tone for the series. That is the hope, Granny, but if we've learned anything, 
the their no, like no, like, <laughs> yeah. I was saying before, right? Like they they lost game one against the Sixers. They lost game one last year against the Heat. They lost game one mm-hmm. against Milwaukee in round two last year as well. The only game one that they did win that was big was the Warriors series, and that went very badly. So yeah. obviously these like don't really mean anything, but maybe they do, and they should. Yeah, you know, just expect well, to lose game one. Speaking of the the Celtics home floor, this is the first time I can remember ever where the TD Garden needed to be like the TD Garden crowd needed to be called out for like lack of participation, for lack of intensity in a playoff series. Greeny, like, do you think this TD Garden crowd is going to need another kick up the ass from Jason or Jalen Brown, or do you think they're locked in now? I don't know. I think it's. I mean, listen. On one hand, I understand what Jalen was saying, right? If you listen, if you see the tweets before game five from like Himmelsbach and other reporters, they said that like it was a weird, it was a weird vibe, right? But at the same time, like their quality of play wasn't exactly the best. So it's like, I can get, yes, you have to bring it, you have to have that energy. But I would also like the play that we're seeing to warrant such a reaction. So I didn't have a problem with them saying it. I think they obviously responded. Um, but I also think when you're, when you have these expectations and a series is in the balance and you're just, and you're nervous, like when the Celtics start one of eight, everyone gets a little, a little tight. And I just think that's normal when we're talking about a true title or bus series or season. So Listen, if they come out and they blow doors, it's not even going to be an issue. If they come out and they play stupid basketball, they deserve to get booed. They don't deserve to have this, you know, rambunctious crowd because, you know, you have to earn it. I think the Celtics fans, just like us, we have a little PTSD, right? So when we see some stagnation on offense or we see some turnovers and it's tied in a series and, you know, if you lose game five, it's like, ah, the trust in this team has been kind of up and down because they've let us down in some in some moments where they've built the trust back up, like the Wizards game. There's just been moments like, and then the Hawks game where it's like pretty obvious we're going to win the series, and then they collapse and in, in game five. So I feel like there's just some built-in like psyche that that the Celtics have done to the fans as well, right? So I like that that they've got the fans like on edge to. to to, to bring it, but the Celtics have kind of brought this on themselves a little bit just with like some of their performances. My hope is that their performance in game seven sort of earns yeah. some of that goodwill back, right? It's like, listen, we got you the blowout. We gave you literally the greatest game seven individual performance in NBA history. The team is now right there. Like, I think there's a difference. Once you get into the final four, it's like you can taste the finals. Like we're right there. So now I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there were no crowd issues, but if the Celtics turn it over 20 times and score 93 points, like what do you expect to happen? Yeah. So, um, Greeny, do we think, is this the series that they finally pull it together end to end winning four or five? And I'd like, gentlemen, let's go around the room. I think we're winning in four. I I think Whoa. the Heat are smoking me. Or I'm sorry, five. I'm saying five. <laughs> oh, jeez. Five. I think the Heat are smoking mirrors. So I got Celtics in five, and I've been one game off. So that means Celtics in six. So book it. But oh, I think five. <laughs> so Greeny, let's start with you. Is this when they pull yeah, it together? Short series, say, or what do you got? I say I say six. I think I respect Butler enough. I think they win a road game, and I think they win a home game, and that's it. 
Jake? I want I, I, I want five so badly. How nice would it be, huh? Just How a decisive, nice a fucking decisive playoff victory, series victory. Just give us one, please. It would be so nice. You know what's messed up is even the net sweep was like stressful. Yeah, like, exactly. Closest of all time. <laughs> yeah, we, we could have a less stressful like six game or five game series against the Heat. The, the, the potential is there. Yeah, I want it so badly. Like at least, at least the two game sevens that we've played, they've been relatively stress free. Like the Bucks and the Sixers game sevens. Like I mean, once we Not got the Heat one. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Well, they it was like wire to wire, and then it wasn't wire to wire for a second yeah. there. Um, I I've got Heat and Six as well. I mean Celtics and Six. Jesus, what? Freudian Listen, slip. Oh, this is going badly. This is going really badly. <laughs> it's a long day. Um, yeah. Long day. Yeah. I, I just Celtics don't know how, you, like you, you after what we've seen from the Celtics, how you can really trust them and like lack the respect from from the Heat to get to Six. I just think that they've got a Spo game in them where they just do some weird stuff and it throws the Celtics off. And then there's at least one Jimmy game. So I think that they get two. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Celtics in six. I, w- I want to say Celtics in five just because of the talent disparity and like, sh- like I just, I'm so ready to just like fall into and believe in like, okay, now we're going to like, we've woken up, like Tatum has like aged, he's matured and we're just going to yeah. like wrap this up in four or five games, but it's the heat, it's, it's Eric Spolstra. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen in this series, but still... All things considered, Celtics and six is still uh, a comforting way to to wrap out the Eastern Conference portion of the of the postseason. Now you know what's crazy, and and obviously I'm not a math guy. This may have been like <laughs> obvious to everyone who can do basic math, but isn't it crazy that from here on out the Celtics just need to go eight and six yes. to win the fucking title? Yes, eight and six. You need to win at a you need to win at a forty seven win team pace. And you win the title. Like, who do you want it most for, Greeny? Aside from yourself, is it Al Horford? Is it Marcus Smart? Like, who in your mind? Maybe we asked you this this time last year as well. But like, when you close your eyes and think about someone holding up the trophy, like who who pops into your mind? I want to say Al because, like, I mean, how? But it's Marcus Smart. Yeah, it I, has to. Yes, be. it has to be. That's that's it. It's think about what that think about what that solidifies. His numbers going up to the rafters. You can make a case with a title, a DPOY, couple first team all NBA defense teams. Like we're itching, we're itching some conversations that I don't know if people are going to be ready to have. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm there. Just, <laughs> and it's and it's maybe the most validating person. Like I don't think any other player on the roster is validated more with a title than Smart is. Tatum. I mean, obviously Tatum gets stamped <laughs> if he gets the title as like the best player, but like Green Marcus in game six, I mean That was it. That was that, my that was my like I don't know, I wanna say it was the best moment of my life, but it was probably, <laughs> it was probably like the third best moment of my life. Like but and the scary thing is not scary, but like it's not the first time he's done that. Right. Like he is and this is what I don't understand. I don't see I I took the bait again today. I, I, I'm trying to be better, but I took the bait again today. It's just <laughs> never. It's just what he does in the biggest moment. Like people say, oh, he shoots too much. He shoots too much. Whatever. The fact that he has the balls yes, in a game like that with the season on the line, when your franchise player is no showing, for him to say, don't worry about it, get on my back, <laughs> and then to come through, it's like 
he is everything you would want in this like super level role player. You know what I mean? Like he's not your franchise guy in the same way that Jalen and Tatum are, but they do not have the success they have had over the last five years without the play of Marcus Smart. And I just don't know how that can be debated. Look, we better leave it there. We've got to get to watching the Lakers get smashed by the Nuggets, which based on the comments, that's that's what's happening uh, right now. Now also seems like the right time to, to mention that we have consulted a shaman and made sure that this is a jinx-free space. So all this talk of the finals and the Celtics hoisting up trophies, we're absolved of any, of any jinx um, craziness there. So we're all good. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. A reminder that we are firing up our playback room for Game 1, so come and join us there. The link is in the description. We're kicking off right before tip-off for Game 1 tomorrow night. Greeny, this was awesome as always. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Thanks again, man. guys. All right, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, we'll get you back on after the, after the championship um, win there for the Celtics. <laughs> and again, yeah, again Jinx Free. <laughs> if they don't win this series or if they lose the finals... You can DM me, but no one's going to be on the other end. <laughs> the lights will be on, but no one will be home. Uh, all right. Uh, Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. We'll be back with Celtics late night after game one tomorrow on the CLNS YouTube channel. Until then, go Celtics. Celtics.